0: Welcome to the Go Hard Chick podcast. I am laughing because this is the 50th episode and who would have thunk I would have made it this far. This is your host, Crystal Holmes, and I am in celebration mode today. Let me tell you, when I started this podcast, I didn't know what I was doing. I was a girl with a dream. A dream of starting a podcast, but no knowledge of how to do it. I had a name, and that was pretty much it. Oh, and I had the idea. I had the idea that I wanted to bring as much information as I could to my community of fabulous Go Hard Chick women. I wanted to bring information about health and wellness, things that I was learning so I knew I had to get this information out there some kind of way, and I came up with the crazy idea to create a podcast to do it. And here I am, 50 episodes later, and I am so grateful to the universe, to you, the listeners, and all of the fabulous Go Hard Chick guests. I am so happy to be here. I am so blessed. I am so thankful. I mean, I have had the opportunity to speak to women that I may have never had the opportunity to speak to otherwise. I have learned so much from all of you. I have taken notes. This whole process has pushed me out of my comfort zone and has truly been transformative to me. And I hope and I pray that all of you listeners have gotten something out of this love project of mine. So, in celebration of the 50th episode, please share this episode or really any episode, okay? The entire podcast with a friend. The more people that listen, the more the podcast grows, and the more I can reach my goal of 100 episodes. So without further ado, let's kick off episode 50. Today, the guest is the fabulous Frances Jones. And let me tell you, this chat with Frances has been transformative for me. We're going to get into infertility. And we're going to talk about the emotional side of infertility. Frances Jones is is a coach and she helps women and, and men, couples, that may be dealing with the challenge of infertility. She helps them thrive in spite of infertility. Frances shares her own infertility story And she tells us how she came on the other side of that experience and found herself now helping others. Now you may be thinking, "Ah, Crystal, I, I, I haven't had to deal with infertility, but let me say this, infertility is on the rise. So while you may not personally have dealt with infertility, someone within your world, someone within your circle likely has. And Francis is going to give us some great information on how we as a community can be compassionate to those of us who may be dealing with the issue of infertility. And not only that, go hard chicks, Francis drops some really great gems. That can be applied in all aspects of our lives in any type of challenge. So I encourage you to listen in. This is a really special episode, and I was I was honored to sit down and speak with Francis. So without further ado, let's welcome to the Go Hard Chick Podcast, Go Hard Chick Francis Jones. Welcome to the Go Hard Chick Podcast. Francis, I am so thrilled that you are here today. Thank you for joining me.
1: Well, thank you so much, Crystal, for having me. It is such an honor to be able to speak with you and your audience today.
0: Yes, I am thrilled. This is a topic that I I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't know a whole lot about it. Um, infertility. I I I've had a guest on a doctor that kind of talked about the medical side, but I'm really this season of the podcast trying to delve deep, deep into how we as women can deal with emotional issues and traumas and different things to, um, live healthier and fuller lives. And I, I, I know there are a lot of women out there that have suffered or are suffering with, uh, infertility and, I think people are starting to talk about it a little bit more now, but I I feel like at one time it was, people didn't even talk about it. It was a deeply held secret that many women kept. Um, But I I do see women around me that um, have dealt with that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I thought it would be great to talk to you about how women can thrive from a, the emotional standpoint and live healthier and happier lives and, thrive in the midst of infertility. So I'm thrilled to talk to you today about this topic. Let me stop blabbing <laughs> <laughs> because I want you to introduce yourself to the listeners. Please share who you are and what you do.
1: Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, my name is Frances Jones, and I am the author of the book, Overcoming the Emotional Stigmas of Infertility bearing but not ashamed. I'm also a, a infertility and transformational coach. I'm a speaker and an advocate and I just I just live my life to uplift others, to to help those who are stuck to find a better perspective and knowing that life is so much more than the challenges that we experience on a daily basis. And sometimes we focus on the things that, that hurt more than the things that help. And so my, my whole mission in life now is just to encourage, inspire, motivate, and uplift others who are going through life to let them see, to let you see that there's better ways to handle situations.
0: Yes. And I, I love that because I feel like so many of us are suffering um, just in life in general. Yeah. And we don't know, we don't have the tools to navigate mm-hmm. some of the things we're dealing with. Um, so I'm thrilled to meet women like you that help other women navigate through this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, so tell us, Frances, if you would share, tell us a little bit about your own journey with infertility.
1: Okay. Well, you know, you, you said something at the, the beginning of the show that infertility is a very taboo topic and people are coming out more so than in the past. That is true. But there is a large part of us that still hide in the closet, so to speak, in the dark about it. Um, My story, I came from a very fertile family. um. I was raised as the daughter of sharecroppers. My mom, she was born in 1925. So talking about that personal stuff on that level was just not widely done in my family. And so me coming from a very fertile family, my mom, she conceived 10 times. She had a sister that conceived 10, another one that conceived seven. All of my sisters were able to conceive and have children. All of my adult nieces, with the exception of one, were able to have multiple children. But I was never able to conceive one time. And that really took me in a spiral downward because I didn't understand why me, why did I stand out in that sense where everybody else was able to to have that dream to come to pass, but I wasn't and so going back over my life I I was raised in a family of love my mom and dad you know they taught me values and I'm talking to me personally they taught me values the value of respect and family and love and togetherness and working together of course you know being sharecroppers that's something that was that was very important in my family and so me seeing how close my family was and how my mom and dad, you know, even through the challenges that they had, they, they raised us to, to respect and love one another. And so the values that they taught me, I wanted to be able to have my own children and teach those same values, you know, to them. I remember a conversation when I was 19 years old, I was talking with an acquaintance and she came from a large family as well. And I don't know how we got on the subject of children, but we did start talking about it. And she asked me, do you want kids? I'm like, oh, yeah, I definitely want children. She said, well, how many do you want? And I immediately told her without even thinking, I want five children. And she looked at me and said, you want five kids? I'm like, yeah. She said, well, you're a real woman. And so me thinking about my mom having ten kids and, and and her sisters conceiving several times and I knew I thought of my mom as a real woman. So I'm thinking, oh wow, if wanting to have five children made me a real woman. And I knew that my mom was a real woman. Then, yes, I proudly wore that as a badge of honor, right? And I also remember um, my husband, right before he and I got married, we had announced um, our engagement to his family. And his dad pulled me aside and gave me the father, soon-to-be daughter-in-law talk. And he said, you know, my son, he really loved children. You know what I mean? And I said, yes, sir, I get it. I understand. He said, no, he really Really love children. You understand what I'm trying to tell you? (laughs) And so I'm like, yes, sir, I get it. And so when I married him, he already had a four and a half year old daughter uh, when we were dating. So we dated about a year. And when I married him, she was five and a half years old. So I became an instant full-time mom, excited. She and I, we had such a close relationship. Oh, it was just wonderful. And she chose to call me mom. I never told her that. I didn't give her a, a title. I didn't call her stepdaughter. She was daughter. I was mom. But on my very first Mother's Day, my husband and I, we married in the fall. And on my first Mother's Day, I'm in church. I sang in the choir and I'm looking from the choir stand at my husband and my daughter and smiling and just excited about my first Mother's Day. After services, all the women coming up and congratulating me and telling me happy Mother's Day. And one woman in particular, she walked up to me with a big smile on her face, arms wide open. And she said to me, happy Mother's Day, even though you're not a real mother. Uh Now you think about. All of the things, when I found out a few months later that I was having challenges conceiving, all the negativity that started going through my mind. You're not a real mother. You're not a real woman. You're damaged goods. Something's wrong with you. Everybody else able to conceive but you. You must have done something wrong. And that was the challenge I carried on my back for many years because in my mind, it just didn't make sense. You know, I loved kids so much and I just wanted to be able to bring add to the family, to the family that I already had. But I was being denied that. And so I went through this progression of negativity and I lost myself my self-worth, my value. I didn't know how to how to live life, you know, because I was so consumed with infertility. I, I make this statement to, to everybody I talk with every chance I get to share that infertility is like a thief in the night. And if you allow it to, it will rob you of your peace, your joy, your happiness, your essence. But you can't stop the thief. And so that was my journey, uh, trying to understand why, you know, hearing this scripture, in all things give thanks. But I couldn't resonate with that scripture. How, how can I be thankful for being barren? How can I accept that? And so it was just hard. I, I, I took myself through so many things that, and, and no one called me damaged good. No one was critical of my inability to concede. My family didn't really know what I went through because I didn't share it. How could they understand that? They don't know what that feels like. They don't know that experience. But that was my journey. And I went through that journey for many years. And many didn't even know what I was really dealing with.
0: Mm. Okay Francis you said a lot that really just struck me particularly how we as women in society defines quote unquote real womanhood as mm-hmm. ch- having children or uh, yeah basically having children being a or or by your own biological children that's a huge huge burden that we have placed upon ourselves. And uh, I, I i mean, I, I do have a daughter, but I think about that in the bigger concept of how definitions and certain things are placed upon women. And then we internalize that. And if we feel like we fall short in some degree, then we are less than. Yes. And that's simply... Well, we know this simply not true. Mm -hmm. So you described infertility as a thief in the night, and that really that was deep. Mm. When you found out that you were having problems, did you make the decision to try to go through any infertility treatments? Uh, Yeah. So when when I first found out, um,
1: it wasn't that I was actively trying to find out what was going on with me. I, so so let me step back a little. When I was in college, I would have these horrific menstrual cycles. The first couple of days of the month, the pain would be so severe that I would literally have to crawl from one room to another. I couldn't walk. And I thought that was normal because remember I, I spoke in the beginning that, we didn't talk about that kind of stuff. At least I didn't, you know, with my family, because that was just, in my mind, a taboo topic. So I thought it was normal. When I graduated from college and I moved to the city that I live in now, um, I decided to go and get checked out because back then I didn't. And so when I was talking to the doctor about all the pain I was, that I was experiencing every month, she thought it was pelvic inflammatory disease, PID. And so that's what she was treating me for. And she would see that there were huge cysts that were coming on my ovaries. One month it would be on one ovary, the next month it would be on the other. And so when I was telling her that what she was doing wasn't helping me and I was still having these pains, long story short, she sent me to someone that, was more specialized in that area, so to speak. They weren't a fertility specialist, but they were someone that could help. And so when I went to this particular doctor, he wanted to do what is called a laparoscopy. And I don't know if you know what that is, but basically just a, a procedure where they make an incision and they take this laparoscopic device and it has a light on it and they go in and look and see what's going on. And when the doctor did that procedure on me, the first time I had it done, he saw that there were adhesions everywhere, scarring, and that my ovaries were literally glued to my back. It was diagnosed as endometriosis, and that was the cause of all the pain, and that was probably the onset of my inability to conceive. And so... We went through, he put me on Lupron, which was to put me in menopause and then to try to kill the life source of the endometriosis, which is the blood flow. And so I was on that for six months. And after that six month uh, treatment, then he put me on Clomid to actually stimulate my, my follicles and my eggs to make sure that, you know, I could actually start trying to have children. None of that worked. And, you know, after going through that for about a year and a half to two years, um, I was very discouraged and wondered if I was ever be able to have children. And so there was one lady that was at my job that was also having challenges conceiving. And she told me uh, about this one girl who went to this fertility specialist in the city. And I thought maybe if I could talk with her and she could tell me who that was and maybe that would be hope. And so I end up talking to her. She told me who the specialist was. And I actually was able to get in to see that specialist. And that's when the intensity of my fertility treatment started. Started back again with a second um, endometriosis laparoscopy. Found out it was still horrible. Stage four endometriosis, scar and steer there. This time my ovaries were literally glued to my front. And I was also diagnosed with low egg reserve and low egg count. So there was a lot against me trying to concede, but we didn't think about fertility treatments in the beginning. I was just trying to figure out what was going on with me. Why was I having all that pain? I
0: see. Wow. And you were experiencing the pain even during marriage? Oh, yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Even after that, I was still having the pain for many years after that.
0: Wow. So you mentioned, you said you didn't share it with your your family. And I think a lot of us are suffering in silence about a lot of things. Who who did you go to for support then? Did you have a support system? Not really. Um
1: I my, my sister that live, lives close in the city. She lives in the city. She knew that I wasn't able to conceive and we talked about that. But I didn't share the depth of what I was dealing with emotionally. She knew that I I was going through treatments. She didn't know to what degree, what type of treatments. I didn't really share that. But I just didn't think that they would understand. You know, it's like, you can't, in my mind, you can't really understand what it means to go through infertility unless you've actually gone through it. And so, yeah, she was trying to be encouraging, and she was to that degree. But there was a disconnect in the connection. She just didn't get it. You know, it's it's more than just wanting to have children in the house. I had a daughter in the house. And then eventually my husband and I adopted two brothers, both on the age of five. So it wasn't about just having kids in the house. It was about being denied something that they were able to to have and unless you really experience that it's it's just it's just hard for folks to in my mind to really get it and some of them just think oh just go adopt you know you want some kids there's many out there that need homes but i think a lot of times individuals just don't understand that it's more than just having kids in the house it's, it's a it's it's a connection that having that life grow within you and When that child is conceived and brought into the world and having that child lay on your breast and know that, hey, this was a part of who you are, it's so much more to it. And I just, my family, I just couldn't see them understanding because they already had what I couldn't have.
0: That makes me wonder, uh, at that time when you were going through the challenge of infertility, were there any resources? I mean, I, I know there there were therapists, but any specialized resources for women, support groups, or anything like that? And even today.
1: Yeah, I mean, t- today, definitely, I believe even back then that there was. But because I was so close-minded, I didn't even know where to look. I didn't know what to do. You're talking about over 20 years ago, right? And so I wasn't even prominent on being on the internet. My husband had to teach me how to use the internet. So when I was on the internet searching, I wasn't searching for resources to help me to deal with what I was dealing with. I was searching for pregnancy signs. You know, it's it's how how do you know if you're pregnant? Oh, oh, I'm, I'm feeling this oh, maybe I'm pregnant. Maybe this is a sign. This is a symptom, you know? And and see, like I said, I came from an era where you didn't talk about that kind of stuff. So that was the furthest thing from my mind trying to find someone to talk with. I was just trying to find out, hey, is what I'm doing working? And so it maybe if if I'd had that mindset like that then, then maybe I would have a different discussion today with you. Right. But that wasn't me. That wasn't my mindset.
0: Well, but Francis, I'm glad I asked you that question because I'm guessing even today, whatever resources are there, women that are going through this, they're not in that mindset. They may not be thinking about help. They're doing what you were doing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They're not. Yeah. And so they're suffering alone. I mean, they, they I'm sure they have the support of their partners. But they're suffering. What What would you tell someone that is currently going through this challenge as to how they can how they can thrive or continue to thrive even in the midst of this?
1: Okay, so th- there are a few things. Uh, number one, understand. Number one, why why. It's the challenge of infertility so hard on you. And the reason I say that is that for me, why it was so difficult is because even though I had children in my in my life, I I've always felt like they were gonna walk away. Like my 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 daughter, she She was still connected to her biological mother. And even though my husband and I was raising her full time, conflicts began to arise because the biological mother had a problem with me, with the daughter calling me mom. And even though I was there full time, our little baby was so concerned of not offending her her biological mom, she began to pull away from me. Yeah, and there were conflicts there. And in the end, she decided she wanted to move out of our home and go move with her biological mom. And so I felt abandoned. I was so afraid that when my adopted sons became old enough that one day they would want to find their biological parents and then they would leave me. But I felt that if I had... A biological child, that child would be bonded to me, and that fear of that child leaving me wouldn't exist. And so, back to your question, I would say, understand why infertility is causing so much hurt in your in your life, and face that hurt, face the fact of whatever it is that. That's causing you that hurt. I understand, yes, you want to be able to have a child, but there's even a root deeper than that. And get to that root and face that root head on. Face that fear. The second thing I would say is to remember the beautiful things that you had in your life before infertility stepped into the picture. You know you were thriving before. You were happy before. And then this enemy came into your camp and started wrecking havoc in your life. And a lot of us, I can't say this is for everybody, but a lot of us, we just let it control us. And we forget about the blessings that we already had in our lives because we're so consumed. So what I had to do was I went on a self-discovery journey because I lost Francis. I really did. And I had to go back and reconnect with myself again. And so I went all the way back to my childhood. Things that brought me joy, butterflies, rainbows, the green grass, the beautiful sky, the joys that I, the things that I loved. I had to go back and, and, and reconnect to those things because they reminded me of how special I was and how beautiful life was at first. And once I began to do that, I began to see Francis as this special person, and which also allowed me to realize that just because a part of my body wasn't operating as it should, did not mean that I was less of a woman, did not mean that I was cursed Or that I was unworthy just because something wasn't operating as it should. And I think about how if a person has high blood pressure, they don't call themselves damaged good. A person with high cholesterol or diabetes or other ailments. But when it comes to the part of the reproductive system and us not being able to do the one thing that we think we're created to do. We're created to do many things, but that's the big one. And when there's something there that's blocking that, we begin to lose ourselves. Or let me speak personally, I lost myself. So get back to being who you were before infertility came into the picture. And this is something I can't take credit for. My husband blessed me with this. He gave me this statement and it was, let Love rule. Now that's powerful, because I was letting everything but love rule. And what made him tell me that was because my daughter and I we had so much conflict. And here I am going through a cycle of fertility treatments. I'm arguing with her for whatever the situation was. She acted like she couldn't stand me. She even told me that I was the one that kept her and her biological mom and dad from being together as a family. And she even suggested who I should go and date (laughs) and free up her dad. But she was hurting, right? But So we having these challenges. And so when we had these disagreements, I would go in the room and cry my heart out. And my husband would come in the room and he would say, let love rule. And when he said that, that frustrated me because I'm like, look how she's treating me and you want me to let love rule. I do love her. But when I thought about it, I wasn't letting love rule. I was letting frustration rule. I was letting hurt rule. I was letting disappointment rule. I was letting infertility rule. I was letting anger rule. I was letting all that rule. But I began to let love rule. And what I did in that situation, I started focusing on the beautiful qualities that this little girl had rather than the hurt that she was causing me or that I was allowing to happen in my life. So let love rule. There are women and men and because men are challenged with infertility just as much as women are. And I don't know if that's a widely known thing Because one in eight couples are challenged with infertility. One third is related to the woman. One third is to the man. And one third is the man or the woman or unexplained. So there are people who are getting divorced because their spouse cannot have children. And so I would say if you're in that situation, let love rule. Focus on the wonderful things that you love about your spouse. Rather than if your spouse are able to, is able to have a child or not. Focus on the good rather than the frustration. Focus on the love. Focus on the peace and the joy that you used to have. Let love rules. So these are some of the things that I would suggest in order to thrive, to, to get to a place where you are able to accept yourself. And not look at yourself as damaged good. Not look at your spouse as damaged good. And get back to the person and the life that you had before infertility stepped into the picture.
0: Gosh, I love everything that you said, Francis. And I, I'm thinking, I don't know that a lot of people know that one third of infertility is is, I guess, stemming from men. And mm-hmm. I don't see a lot about that out there. And I don't know how many men are talking about that. Yeah, you know. Yeah,
1: you know. In in my book, I mentioned that I believe that men are impacted as much or more, more uh, emotionally than women, because you know it messes with their them virility. You know, and I um in my book I I went. On this, this, I call it a discovery journey in biblical days. I, I knew that infertility has been moving from generation to generation over the years, and I wanted to go all the way back to biblical days to find out why it was so wrecking in the lives of those back then, and maybe I could figure out. Why is it still impacting us in the society that we live today with the advancement of, of the minds that we have? Why is it still impacting us like that? And so what I found, and I know a lot of people who read the Bible, they know about a lot of biblical characters that were not able to conceive. You know, Sarah, Elizabeth, Rachel, Rebecca, so many. But I took it a step further. I found out that the mother of Jesus' mother, Mary's mother, her parents were dealing with infertility. Mary's mother's name was Anna and her dad named Jehoiachim. And so Jehoiachim was going to a festival one year and he was going with a group of men to the festival and his wife could not have children. And so they had been trying for about 20 years, if I remember correctly. Similar to me, right? And so Jehoiachim had his offering that he was taking before the high priest. And the high priest's name was Issachar. So when Jehoiachim came to offer his offering, the high priest told him, Why are you here giving an offering when you have no children? You are detestable in the sight of the Lord. You are cursed. You need to leave here. Your offering is not going to be accepted. And you need to leave here until you're able to have children. Now, think about that. Here's this man who was following the law of the land that was given to go and celebrate the festival and give an offering and being reprimanded, criticized, ostracized because his wife couldn't have children. So now this man is embarrassed that the other men heard it and he didn't even want to walk back home with them. He hid himself. So think about men today who are not able to provide or to give their wife a child. How damaging that could be to their self-esteem knowing that they're the cause in their mind of their wife not being to have children and their wife desiring a child so badly. And so that spirit, I believe it's been carried from generation to generation to generation. And is still affecting us today. Men are hurting too. On father's day, they're hurting too. And so it's, it has to, it has to be a change. And that's why I'm here today. And that's why I've been out speaking to as many people as I can. That's why I wrote my book. That's why I'm an advocate. I believe in my heart that my purpose in life is to break that spirit, to break that barrier and to free us who have been negatively impacted by those negative emotions so we can hold our head up. And so we cannot allow a diagnosis, which is really a disease, to cause us to walk in shame.
0: It's a time for a change. And I believe that time is now. I, I agree with you so much, Francis. And th- I mean, that's a huge reason why I do this podcast because I want us I want us to talk about these things. I want Mm -hmm. us to talk about these things that have always been taboo. I want us to free ourselves from this burden of secrecy. Um, You know, particularly women, we keep so much in, we want to Mm -hmm. portray this image that we've been told is, is what we need to portray and we suffer in silence. A lot of times we don't, and a lot of times it's denial too. We don't accept that maybe I need help, you know, um, because you know, the the whole damaged good thing, you know, if, if I acknowledge this, that I'm suffering with, then something's wrong with me and nothing's wrong with me, you know? (laughs) So we suffer in silence. So part of that is a reason why I did this platform, this, this podcast is I, we need to talk. And so I'm thrilled to meet and to talk to dynamic women like you that are changing lives through our own stories. You know, it's very powerful when you, we are able to use our own experiences to help others. And and that's yes. what I love about you, Francis, and your story. Now, I want to touch on, because I want the listeners to know about this, you do, you, you coach women, correct?
1: Yes. Yes, I do. Um, I coach infertility as well as just transformational because the transformational coaching is changing your mindset, changing what you say, changing your thoughts. And so, yes, I, I, I definitely coach women in this area, couples in this area, um, I don't think we really, and we hear people say this a lot. I believe, but I don't really think we really, really understand the impact of our thoughts and our words. Our words and our thoughts actually create our life. And I've heard others say, and I'm in total agreement. If you want to know what your life is going to look like in the next five years, as an example, look at what you're saying and thinking now. See, what I did was. I call myself damaged good. I said, I am barren. I said that something was wrong with me. And my words produced that. See, I was never able to have children. And that's why I use the word barren, but not ashamed. Because I was once ashamed. So I help couples, I help women to focus on what they're saying about themselves. I help them to, to look at how life is presenting to you what you really want. But because we are thinking it's a reminder of what we don't have, we're actually repelling it. As an example, there are so many women that don't want to go to baby showers, and I totally get it. You know, you don't want to be reminded of what you don't have. I I, I totally get that. But what if a baby baby shower invitation was actually life presenting to you the possibilities of what you could have? And you begin to embrace that. And so in my book, I use this example. So I don't know about you, Crystal, but Whenever I decide that I want to buy a vehicle, all of a sudden, if I either bought it or I decide I want to buy it, all of a sudden, let's use an F Ford one hundred and fifty. I'm seeing F Ford one hundred and fifties everywhere, and at first I never noticed them. But life is presenting this to you. Say so this is something that you want. This is something that you can't that you can have. So let's use a baby shower as that. I'm being invited to baby showers, but I'm like, no, I don't want to go because I don't. It, it's hurtful. And like I said, I get it. But life could be telling you, hey, I'm trying to give this to you. Embrace this. This is something that you want to be around. So when I was invited to baby showers, oh, I went happily. And even though, yes, it reminded me of what I didn't have, but it also reminded me of what I wanted. And so I would go and buy the best gifts, as though I was buying them for my own child that I wanted one day. And I believed in my heart, even though I wasn't able to conceive, when my husband and I adopted those two brothers, my the job that I worked with, they gave me the biggest adoption shower. And even though I wasn't able to conceive, all the seeds of love that I had sown into the lives of others came back on me. So you're really doing two things. You're sowing seeds of love into the life of another so you can receive the power of sowing and reaping. But you're also being presented the possibility of having something that you desire so badly. So it's all about perspective. When I coach my clients I helped them to change that perspective. And there was one of my clients that she was having challenges conceiving and bringing forth the child through long term. She would have the child. She would, I'm sorry, she would conceive, but then she had a miscarriage and it was so hard for her. And so she had convinced herself that she was having fertility challenges. And so I asked her, well, have you ever been diagnosed with infertility? And she told me no. I said, well, first, let's get a diagnosis first. Let's not speak these things over your life. And so through a series of, of um, sessions, that's the word I'm looking for, she was able to change her mindset. And through that course of trans- transitioning, transformation, she was actually able to conceive, carry that child full term. And was able to have a child. But it started with what was going on right here. Transforming that mind. Helping you to unlock your heart desires one step at a time. That's the name of my company. Heart Desires Fulfillment Coaching. And that's what I do. I help you to unlock it one step at a time. And be able to actually fulfill that desire in your heart. Because all of us have that. We all have desires. But a lot of times they go unfulfilled. And so I help you to be able to fulfill that and to find that joy that you deserve to have and to show you that you deserve to have it. Even though you may feel like you've done something to cause it, to remove the blame, to look at yourself as a wonderful person that you truly are, to remove that negativity and help you to get to a place where you can actually start bringing these things back into your life that you
0: desire. Oh, Francis, this was so awesome. Like I I'm like sitting here taking notes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but cuz you
0: said so many things that resonate with me. I mean, you are so right. Our words and our thoughts do they do create our lives and people don't I'm after all these years, I'm just getting to the point where I, it, that clicks for me. You know, it, it really does click now, but it's something that I think we all need a reminder of and, and help understanding sometimes so that, oh man, this was really powerful. Francis, you are a phenomenal woman. Mm -hmm. I call you a go hard chick. You're part of our tribe. I'm so grateful (laughs) for you sharing today. I I hope you'll come back because you got some stuff that I think that will impact so many women, Mm. but I know you shared your book, but I I want you to also share how people can find out about you. Like If they want your coaching services or maybe they want you to come speak, how can people learn more about you and your services or contact you, I should (laughs) say?
1: Okay, so um, on social media, I'm, I'm pretty much everywhere. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, my LinkedIn handle is Francis Jones 1. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Both my handles are the same, Heart Desires Coaching. I'm on TikTok at Jones. Twitter, Heart Desires HeartDesiresFC. Um, you can go to my website. Which is www.heartdesirescoaching.com h e a r t, desires, coaching.com. Uh, or just go into um, the browser and put in Heart Desires Fulfillment Coaching, and you'll find me there. Um, you can find my book on Amazon. Um, Barnes and Noble's. I'm pretty much online everywhere. You can go to my website and also find different places that you get it. And on my website, you can actually send me a message um, if you're looking for a speaker. You can definitely see all my speaker sheets there, and my media stuff there. And you can actually reach out to me on my website. You can contact me. There's a, a actual place where you can contact me there as well.
0: Oh goodness! Thank you, Francis. I am so grateful. And I know the listeners that hear this episode will be grateful as well, no matter what their journey is. I think everything you shared today applies to those of us who may be suffering or dealing with infertility challenges and some of us that aren't. I mean, you gave, yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was getting ready to mention it as well. Yes, my book is about those of us who are challenged with infertility, right? To to find a way to to heal the broken heart. But there's another part to it as well, is to bring awareness to those who have never been challenged with infertility, to understand our plight, what we have been dealing with emotionally. So when there are conversations that they have with us, they can have more compassion and sensitivity in those conversations. You know, women are hurting, and to have someone who is going through treatments, uh, fertility treatments. With me, I went through artificial insemination. There are those who are going through in vitro. I wasn't able to do in vitro um, fertilization, but I wanted to. And so you're talking about you're injecting yourself with medicines, and there are those who are having painful, so I hear, egg retrieval trying to conceive, and to have someone to tell you, oh, just try harder, not knowing what you're, you're going with, dealing with. And I've heard women say that they're asking, well, are you doing it right? You know, I mean, or just adopt. You know, there, there are so many insensitive comments. And I, and I believe the majority of the people are good intentioned people. They're really trying to help. But it's not really helping, and so I want awareness to be spread abroad. My book is not just about those who are being challenged with infertility; it's about those who who you may meet at your job. You know, there was this conversation that I had with a, she was a friend of mine, a colleague, and every month she would bring her picture album in, showing the progression of her pregnancy not realizing what I was dealing with. So to just make people aware of what we're going through, even at corporate America, you know, small companies, big companies, that their employees are dealing with this. Diversity and inclusiveness. I want to be able to be invited so I can share about infertility in the workplace as it relates to diversity and inclusiveness. We want to be able to to get the word out so we can change the mindset all around,
0: yes, and that's I'm glad you said that because when we talk about clearing the negativity from infertility, we are not just talking about women that are dealing with infertility, we're talking about those of us who aren't, right? Mm-hmm.
1: So mm-hmm.
0: it's everybody, we all it's have work everybody. to do, it's
1: everybody, and to change the mindset that you know, just Because your body's not operating as it should, that you're less than, you're not. You're not. You're so much more than you think you are. And you have to know that. You have to believe that. You have to take back your power that you relinquished to infertility. Just like I had to take back my power. See, you can do one or two things. You can sit in the back seat in that infertility drive, or you can take your car back and take control back. It's our choice. And I, for several years, was a infertility support group leader. There's help out there. I'm here, but there are so many others. But it starts with you making a decision to change the trajectory of your life and just know that you don't have to hide in silence. You don't have to be ashamed. You have nothing to be ashamed of. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Yeah.
0: Francis. thank you so much. This was really powerful. Um, And I am tremendously grateful for you coming on and sharing. And I, I want you to come back. (laughs) Whenever you're ready for me to come back,
1: I'll be here. I appreciate it. And I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share. Because, you know, if, and I say this often, if I just help one person, me bearing my soul the way I bear my soul is worth it. But I believe there are so many lives that are about to change. And just knowing that Someone can be uplifted because of my story, because I was willing to share it because I could. I'm a very private person. I promise you, I had no intention to ever write this book. I had no intention to share this. I had no intention. Actually, I was in the process of writing a fictional love story. And I stopped that project because I felt so compelled to share my story. And because I was so willing, I know there was a reason because this was was not my plan.
0: Yes. Yeah. The universe will guide us to where we're supposed to be. Yes. Yes. Such a time is now. Such a time is now. Well, there you have it, go hard chicks another great episode. And this was episode 50. I am thrilled. If you enjoyed this episode or any of the Go Hard Chick podcast episodes, please kindly leave a rating and review. It really helps me to keep the podcast going. Once again, Go Hard Chicks, thank you for listening. Take care.